Welcome to the Dented Puck Podcast. Each week, we'll be talking about the NHL, being visually impaired, and our favorite combination of the two, blind hockey. We'll be talking shop about everything from the equipment we wear to how we've adapted our play style to fit our site. We'll also be talking to members of the blind hockey community and getting to know their stories and what has led them to the sport. We're really glad to have you with us, and we hope you enjoy the show. This is our small slice of hockey, and we'd like to think that it shows that hockey truly is for everyone. Hello, everybody. This is Drew, Tony, and Josh. Boys, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Just the weather's starting to get nice, and uh, you know, just trying to enjoy the weather. I'm I'm doing good. I was I was at the Devils game last night, the last home game of the season. One of the very very few home wins, and when the Boston fans talk trash on their way out, you have to remind them that they lost the season series to the worst team in the league. And the team that's younger than all four Frozen Four teams. That is ridiculous. Even with PK, who's like 34. <laughs> well, uh, if you guys didn't notice, I did not say episode number because this is episode number one of season two of The Dented Puck. Uh, so I'm excited. We've got a lot of cool guests lined up and, and some fun things to come. But today we are joined by Charlie Mitchell from the DC Blind Hockey and the U.S. National Team. Charlie, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Really love the podcast and uh, excited to join you guys today. Awesome. Well, thanks for, for coming on. Uh, as you know, we talk about the NHL a little bit beforehand. Um, we understand you're a Penguins fan. Uh, so I'm sorry, not sorry. I feel like you guys have had a lot of success, so it's, it's always a good team to root for. But man, there's a lot of hate for Penguins out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I actually uh, I have to be grateful that they've been so successful because I, I probably would have never played hockey if they hadn't won back-to-back cups in the early 90s when I was a little kid, um, which kind of sparked hockey in Pittsburgh and got my parents to to put me in hockey um so i i owe my own hockey career a little bit to the success the organization's had yeah and i mean to i feel like pittsburgh's one of those teams that like it's it's wild they had mary lemieux arguably the best player of all time um and then they got sid the kid like i feel like that happens usually you know, 40, 50 years between getting all-stars and, and the Penguins got them in the course of what, 20, 20 years? No, because they played together, didn't they? Yeah. See, that's why. They never really no. Yeah. no. Yeah, no, they did. They did. Sydney Crosby's rookie. Sid. Yeah, Sid's first year. Did they really? Yeah, Mario was the captain. It was his last season, and, and they did overlap. Sorry. I know things, guys. Come on. I have a you hockey who, podcast. You know who it is? Hmm? You know who it is? This is this going to hurt that the Chicago area of you, but it's it's the Packers. It's Brett Farr and, and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you, they literally haven't had a lag in, in generational talent. Hey, the Bears have not had a lag in talent. We've kept the same amount going from Kyle Orton to Jay Cutler. To who was the last guy? Trubisky. They're all bad. Trubisky, Trubisky no, was you guys, no, dude. He just Trubisky didn't have any pocket protection. No, Trubisky, Trubisky was not a good quarterback. Oh man, he wasn't. He traded for Nick Foles. He wasn't a good. He wasn't a good throwing quarterback. He was a playmaking quarterback. He was going to do the bubble screens. He was going to, you know. He was going to rush for 15 yards and on third down on a broken play downfield. Like that's that, that's the type of quarterback he was. If he had any kind of pocket protection, he would have been successful with the Bears. He just, he just didn't have that. The Bears' O line was like third string people from other teams. Like it was terrible. I don't know. I still stand by it. But well, we now got, you got no excuse because you got Justin Fields. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're getting towards the end of the NHL season. Um, the Blackhawks, the devils have been eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, 
most of the teams are set. How how are you guys feeling? Do you do you think there are any teams that that might might take it all? They're they're just playing exceptionally well. Uh, what are your predictions for 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 the playoffs going forward? So the last time the NHL didn't start a season on time, um, Lou Lamorello won a Stanley Cup. I'm going with the Islanders. All right. The Devils, the Devils' first cup was this was the strike season. Oh, really? God, I'm old. <laughs> Legit, definitely. I I definitely aged myself on you with that one. Yeah, I'm not that the Devils' first season. I think they won. I don't know how many games there were, fifty something maybe, but it was a strike shortened season. It started late. And that's how they won. They won because they had a type of defensive mentality where they just shut people down. Look what the Islanders. I think that technically the last time the NHL didn't start on time, the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, he's right. You're, you're, what was that? You're right. what was that the other? Okay, okay. Yeah, that, so, yeah, I missed that one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was the I year that they started off the season like 24-0. <laughs> yeah, and then got crushed ten to one by Montreal. No, the game that they the first game that they lost was against uh, Colorado. That's right. I I'll saw never the forget it. I was at my grandparents' house, and I was so excited to watch the game. And uh, yeah, it was it was a good game. They lost like three to two or something like that. But it it was a bummer. I knew that they were winning the cup that year, though. There was just there was too much hype in Chicago, and it was really uh, kind of cool hearing, you know, what, what Charlie said about like the Penguins and what their success did to like the hockey community, because that's pretty much exactly what happened, uh, you know, with the youth movement here in Chicago with uh, all these startup teams and stuff like that, because everybody wanted to be Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves or Duncan Keith and stuff like that, and. You know, the success of the Blackhawks has done great things. And, and you know, um, you know you, when you think about it, I mean, look at the teams who have uh, the blind hockey teams that have uh, their NHL affiliates, you know, teams that are having that have had success or are having success. You know, the, the St. Louis Blues has a team that they uh, they do stuff with. Um. You know, obviously the Chicago Blackhawks, Pittsburgh had a team for a while. You know, the Minnesota Wild, they're young and they're exciting. The real Kaprizov's the real deal. Yeah, he is. He's the he he is he has the best edge work uh in the NHL um by ten miles and I can say the exact same thing about Charlie Mitchell's skating ability compared to everybody else in the game of blind hockey. It's uh, it's like smooth as butter, man. Thanks, Jess. I mean that. <laughs> I mean that wholeheartedly. <laughs> and I've and I've seen some people that can skate, man, and like some phenomenal skaters. And, and it, you make it look so effortlessly. Or effortless, not effortlessly. You skate effortlessly. I don't know. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> so my final, uh, well, I guess a uh, couple of big things happened while we were gone. Uh, Jack Campbell got the NHL record for most wins by a goalie to start a season with 12 or 13. Uh, he, had, he had tied Carey Price and then beat him. Um, there was something else big that happened. Oh, duh. Patrick Marlowe became the the what, number one in games played, beating or beating. Yes, right. Outlasting Gordy Howe. That's well, impressive. Oh, uh, he has an the craziest Gordy Howe. I mean, I'm, it, he's played more games. As far as age, but as far as games played, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You don't think oh, yeah. you don't think 1,800 games in the NHL would be considered outlasting somebody? 
I feel like like 300 games, I'd be dead. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about it. I just meant by age. I'm not saying. Yeah, but... it's, 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 it's a different age, yeah. But okay. it's, what's crazy is the stat was, was that Marlowe has played against, I think it was 38% of players who ever played in the NHL. Yeah, that was the one. That's that like blew, two that out of every five. That's crazy. That's the one that blew my mind, is seeing that stat. I, I, I tried to do... Sorry, though. No, it's all right. It's just, it's crazy. You're right. I tried to do the math, and for him, I don't think it's possible for him to get to 40%, because that's just such a, round, such a round number. But, like, because you would have to figure in all the new players that he, that he, it would have to be a new player that he hasn't played against, but that would also add to the total. So it's a very, it's very tough to get up. But that number's. Yeah. Well, and to think like him and Joe Thornton were one and two when they got drafted and Thornton's 300 games behind him, something like that. So that's, I, I feel like his Patrick Marlowe's superpower is just longevity. Like to to be able to go that long, he hasn't been injured that much, as far as I know. Dude, and that's when what I it watched takes. that tribute video that they did went for him. I started crying so hard when I saw that he was crying. You know, because it, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the guy like now he he isn't somebody that is going to go out there and get you know two or three points a game. But he's going to be somebody that goes out there and he's going to give his 100% effort and 100% commitment to the team, and he's going to make the next right play. And that's why he's been safe. He's not a dirty player. No, which brings me to the next point, is that there's a new flash that Tom Wilson is still playing in the NHL. <laughs> As he should be. Dude, I don't know how he has not gone. Or gotten just absolutely crushed. Because he's a beast. And, you know, they shouldn't have uh, hacked that uh, Vaniac or whatever. Okay, but is that is that really the hockey that you want? Like, grabbing someone by the hair and throwing them down to the ice? Yeah, absolutely. That's hilarious. Don't go don't go in front of my goalie. No, man. There's a line. There there has to be a line. I am all for it. I, if someone touched my goalie as when I was in high school as a defenseman, someone touched my goalie, they were getting a stick in the gut and I was getting them out of the way. But there there comes a point where you've you're just a goon. And Andy injured Artemi Panarin. Well, yeah, legit, like what he's done to the Rangers this season, and this is Devils fan, is is so is so messed. But like, right. well, here's the thing, man. Funny. I have a different. I have. I come from a different breed and a different understanding, and like I understand, like this school of thought is dying, but that is hockey, and part of part of the, the me- mental grind that they go out there and go. That's why they don't come out and then say, oh, well, you, you know, I have a, a shoulder problem. Why? Because if I know that your left shoulder is hurting every single time that your left shoulder is facing that boards, I'm going to ride you into the glass. It's there, just... There's a I, – I hear what you're saying. Like I, gr- I grew up playing hockey during the 90s when it was smash mouth hockey. You know, like they the fights were what drew people to it. People got injured all the time. Like, I get that. But, and I do agree. If I know that Josh busted his leg and we're, we're playing in a competition and we're checking, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I hit him on the left side. I'm going to make sure I use those advantages. Well, yeah, you're going to take a shot at his shin pad and then he's not going to want to block the next one. Exactly. It's the same reason. And there's no reason ever to do this in blind hockey. There's no reason ever to do this in blind hockey. But you whistle one past the the goalie's uh, ear, okay, and then you take the next shot on the ice. Like it, it, it's a it's a it's a head game. It's a different thing. Yeah, is it ignorant? Is it ignorant to go out and lick somebody like Brad Marchand did? I, is it, see, is it, 
Tony, I, I think that <laughs> what I'm saying is that I agree that that is part of hockey. Using everything to your advantage is it is crappy as it is to use injuries against people. They've been doing it in the pros forever. That is that's exactly why during the playoffs, like you said, they don't say what the injury is. I'm saying the difference between that and Tom Wilson grabbing Artemi Panarin by the hair and throwing him on the ice is that now Artemi Panarin's injured and for what? And and what what message was he exactly trying to send? Was it, it, it was, I mean, it was pretty aggressive, but don't go in front of my net. I don't even know that they were in care, front of the net. But here's here's the thing: where was the where was the where was the goon, so called goon, on New York that was going to step up to Tom Wilson? Nobody's going to step up to Tom Wilson, and that's why he's a very valuable person to have on your team. Not only can he go and get assists, he can score goals, he can kill penalty minutes, and he, he brings a f- certain physicality of the game and a certain protection to the, the, everybody that is to the left or to the right of him out, out on the ice. That's why he's feared. That's why it sucks to play the Capitals, because you got to go deal with Tom Wilson shenanigans. And Tom Wilson can run around free because most teams in the NHL don't have somebody that can stop him. I'd love to have Tom Wilson on the Blackhawks. I, I I'm not I wouldn't not if that's the way he plays that's I I understand again I understand the mental aspect of of using what's wrong with people against them you it's know. not even it's not even that I, but every, everything that I just explained to you is what's wrong with the NHL right now and why certain teams win and other teams don't is because some people can have uh, stars be protected at all moments by having a player like Tom Wilson on your team, and other teams don't. Blackhawks don't have anybody that can go protect Kane. Ma- okay, Makita Zadorov, that's fine. But, like, no, not really. And that's why we just get abused, is because, <laughs> because we don't have anybody that can go out and hit. To go out and all right. Sacrifice your body and make the other team down. All right, Tony, here's my question for you. What's your line? Where's your line? Knee to knee? Your line's got to be knee to knee, right? That's where. Well, if you make a knee to knee, if you make a knee to knee play, that's dirty and that should not be allowed. I'm not saying that's any of the things that Tom Wilson has done have ever been. Uh, one justified or two that they've been clean plays or smart hockey plays. No, some of the things like what he did a couple of seasons ago in the preseason. Like, why would you ever do that in a preseason game? Like, you're you're nothing but a, a, a savage. But I, I was going for goon and like the negative type of goon. But but okay, then that but that's kind of my point. Is that like. I'm all for I'm all for standing up and defending people. Like I said, every single time that this this moron's gonna try to pick the puck up, I'm laying him out. Because you're not yeah. doing that. And and that's and that's how I play. This we play with the same kind of attitude. But like there's there's hard, there's physical, there's dirty, and then there's just not necessary. And then like that's kind of where Tom Wilson's bordering on, on like this in the like last couple of weeks. It's just it's just not necessary. Yeah, I don't know. Don't go in front of my net. That's I don't know. I I just uh, <laughs> it's flabbergasting you know, that the, I believe that the, that's adjusted, that that's okay. No, the I I think that the 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 disconnect here is that I I. I don't have a problem with Tom Wilson, the protector, the enforcer, the the hockey player. You know, that's that's the fine part with me. There, when you purposely injure someone, that's where I take issue. And I don't know if he necessarily purposely tried to injure somebody. If you like whip someone onto the ice by their head, I mean, dude, I. I guarantee he did not mean to throw his bounce ricochet his head off the ice. Like there's no, there's no, there's no reason. But 
I, I don't know. I, I think I think we can talk about this for hours. Well, I guess here's the, this is the point I'm getting to, and this is the reason that the Rangers sent out a, a notification to the NHL about this. Yes, that is his job, is to be that person. But the fact that he only got a $5,000 fine and not a suspension is a problem. Yeah, and Panarin is going to, even if he could play, he's going to sit for the next three games because the Rangers are mathematically eliminated and they're going to make a bigger deal out of it than they should. But he's injured. That's, that that is the deal. There's no way that he's injured. All right. Well, we're obviously not going to agree on this. So, Charlie, as you can tell, we talk about the NHL and we just kind of go. So we have a section we call three periods with and obviously this one is three periods with charlie mitchell uh we're gonna ask you some questions get to know you a little bit better and uh talk shop about blind hockey are you you prepared for this sounds good all right well you get me first so uh can you tell me a little bit about your vision uh kind of your journey through through getting to blind hockey yeah so um i grew up having pretty good vision um I played sighted hockey up through high school and uh <clears throat> it was after college I um I worked for a year and then I went to law school um and it it was the summer after my first year of law school where I really started noticing my vision going downhill um I started having trouble driving and and seeing at night and and all kinds of things and um ended up getting Eventually, I, I was initially diagnosed with uh, cone rod dystrophy, and then they changed that to retinitis pigmentosa. So that was back in uh, like 2012, 2013 timeframe. And uh, it's just been kind of a steady, steady decline in my vision since then. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I thought my hockey days were done. Um, you know, I really, I thought after, uh, I hung up the skates at the end of high school, I thought that'd be the last time I really played at a high level competitively. Um, certainly never thought that I'd have the opportunity to do something like I'm doing now, uh, playing blind hockey and, uh, playing against team Canada on team USA. So it's, uh, it's just been, it's been incredible to get another chance to play this game that I love so much. And that was a huge part of my life um, and, and get back out there. Yeah. And so when you, you played in high school, I know you're a defenseman now. Um, were you always a defenseman in high school as well, or has it just been something you kind of fell into? I, I pretty much always played defense from the time I started playing as a kid. Um, three out of the four years of high school, I played defense. I, one year I, I split and was kind of, jumping back and forth between uh defense and offense just based on what the team needed but uh pretty much a, a defenseman at heart um a little bit surprising because i'm not i'm not a real big guy um so i'm kind of small for a defenseman but um i started playing it as a little kid and uh just kind of stuck with it that's great i i think it's in are are you a b3 a b2 I'm a B3. Because okay. yeah. I, I feel like you and I are in a similar sort of boat. I played defense all through high school. I'm a B3 as well. Um, I would, if I ever get the opportunity to play for the national team, I'd, I'd hope to play defense. But that's obviously with the numbering and yada, yada, all that stuff, uh, not usually the case. Um, what's, what's it like playing defense? blind compared to when you were sighted like what's the biggest uh difference that you've noticed so far you know i think it's um well i guess it's kind of obvious but you you can't (laughs) can't rely on your vision in the same way that you could you know if you're playing sighted hockey and you're playing defense and uh you know forwards coming down on you you can see where his center of mass is and you know he can do whatever he wants with the puck but you know you you know where he's going based on where where his center of mass is and uh it's a lot harder to do that when you can't really see the guy coming at you um and the same thing with uh 
you know, just knowing the general situation that's going on in the zone, it's more difficult. Um, you know, a, a forward can be sneaking in silently and, uh, and you can't see him and you don't necessarily know, uh, where everybody is and, and what the situation is. So, um, it, it's, I think in a lot of ways, I think it's more challenging. Um, but it's just that's where the communication aspect comes in and you got to have a you know good line of communication with your defensive partner and with your forwards and uh and do the best you can without it being able to see the whole situation out there yeah so i guess the the, the better question is what what don't you see what is your what is your vision um so months Mostly, uh, it's kind of weird because, you know, most people, it's either their central vision um, is gone or their peripheral vision has gone. Mine is kind of, I like to describe it like a donut um, where I've got a little bit of peripheral vision and then everything between that and my central vision is gone. Um, And I, my my central vision in my left eye is pretty much gone too. I got a, a real small patch in my right eye in the center that's still clear um so it it, for me i i don't qualify based on acuity um it's all about visual field for me so i i just have a pretty pretty small field i got a patch in the center and then some peripheral vision but everything else is is gone in between those two so um you know if i'm looking at a player straight at him i can see him but if you know i can't see anything that's to the right or left of him. Um, you know, if I look into the zone, I can probably find the guy with the puck, but I don't have the visual field to know what's going on in the rest of the zone, where the other players are, anything like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with not hitting the acuity, Mark, do you think that that, I I guess again I I feel like we mirror a little bit. I have really good vision. I just don't have a lot of it. Mine is all my peripherals gone. Um, sometimes I find that that almost makes it harder for for me uh, because you you're able to focus on small things. Um, do you have any tricks that you use to to be more aware of your surroundings on the ice? You know, it's just that's been a big learning curve for me because um, since I do have a patch in the center of my vision, um, whenever I first started trying to play blind hockey, I was uh, still trying to just use my vision Um, because if I'm looking straight at the puck, I can see the puck. But then, you know, if it moves one foot either way, I lose it. Um, And so (laughs) that didn't work very well. Um, And it's taken a long time, you know, it my whole first year um i would i'd skate right past the puck because i would see it and then i'd get to it and you know, move my head and i'd lose it and uh it, you know it's just a lot of time and practice to kind of trust your other senses listen you know get used to hearing the puck and uh hearing it coming to you and tracking it down um it's it's just like you know it's another level of skills on top of sighted hockey that you need to develop and uh it certainly takes time and practice to develop those skills to to learn to play the game in a different way than what you're used to yeah um so were were you on the national team first or were you a part of dc blind hockey first no so i started um I, I first heard about it. I live in DC, um, and uh, through actually someone at work, a, a colleague at work, was friends with one of the players on the DC team, and and she mentioned it to me, and I was kind of blown away. I had no idea that it was going on. I wish, I mean, I um, I was a little disappointed because they'd already been playing for a year or two um, before I even heard about it or knew it was a thing, and uh, I, I wish I could have got involved sooner than I did, but. Uh, went out and checked it out and, you know, fell in love with it pretty quickly. Um, and <clears throat> I skated uh, you know, probably four or five months with the D.C. team and then uh, ended up going to the 
blind festival down in Tampa, Florida. That was my first big blind hockey event that I went to. Um, and while I was there, I did. That's when I met Coach Svack and uh, some of the Team USA players, in addition to those guys who are on the team here in DC. And uh, and the rest is history. And got the opportunity to go up to Utica and uh, and earn a spot on Team USA, and kind of never looked back from there. Nice. And do you, so I know that you we were talking earlier, and and you haven't been able to practice at your normal facility in dc are you guys able to find ice still are you back practicing or are you guys done for the season uh so we just got back we've had two practices this spring um we got back we we got back on the ice for a couple weeks back in november of last year uh when it seemed like things were calming down in terms of covid and then you know as soon as it started to flare up again we had to shut it down um and then this spring we just we just got back on the ice a couple weeks ago so uh it's a little bit unfortunate right now and that we're for the first time we're having to buy ice um so it's not something that we can keep going forever um but it's good to at least get out there and and we just had a local rink come through um that's not our our normal rink that we play out but um just kind of through a lucky chance encounter with some of the some of the people that work at the rink and uh get another rink manager they offered to donate a bunch of ice this summer so it seems like at least through the summer um we, we'll we'll be out there and, and keep playing so i'm really excited that uh it seems like things are ramping back up again and we got some big events coming up in new jersey and chicago and uh minnesota so um it's it's really exciting that this this COVID thing looks like it might be getting behind us here and we can all get back on the ice and get at it. Yeah. It'll be nice for that, uh, sense of normalcy to return and, uh, be able to actually go do this again. Huh? Yeah. It's been tough sitting on the sidelines for the last year. Um, you know, you can only do so much dry land training before you start losing your mind and just want to get on the ice. Yeah. And, uh, Josh didn't didn't make his at home rink this year, but you know he he's thinking about it next year. So maybe if if for some godforsaken reason we're not all back to normal, we'll just go live with him in the winter and get the ice in that way. Yeah, I like the uh, the bubble idea. Just you know, find a lake or something somewhere, and uh, <laughs> that's what I was go, saying. Man. Go camp like, out. Right, it's I, I guess it's I guess we should just drop it right here, right? No, let's go somewhere in the backwoods of West Virginia, up in the mountains there's, somewhere. There's not really ice in West Virginia, but um, no, the idea it, is will come. the idea is is um to do a, a pond hockey tournament next February. Um, hopefully the uh, the border will be open and our friends up north can come on. But it also happens to be my fortieth birthday, so. There is a resort in Vermont, um, which I was told is only about three hours from the Boston airport, um, that has a lake outside of it that does pond hockey tournaments. So that is the next Windy City Showdown possible location um, before we go to the Brick City Showdown, because I, I just don't know if I can go to that. Uh, well... Charlie, thank you for, for answering my questions. I'm actually going to pass this one over to Tony, and we're going to find out a little bit more about the national team and what you guys what you guys do. All right. So first I'd like to say it's nice to talk to uh, another person that uh, understands that South Bend's weather does not apply to the rest of the world. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. It's How, brutal. Uh, did you do your undergraduate there or did you do uh, your master's there? Or yeah, I did. I, I went to undergrad at Notre Dame. So I had four years of beautiful South Bend winters, um, you know, <laughs> perpetual gray, freezing winds, lake effect <laughs> snow, uh, you name it. it I, I, I woke up there. Yeah, when I, I when I was at uh, school there, I woke up one morning and I went to go to class, 
and there was like a big yellow sign on the door and it said danger wind chill is like minus 25 and i looked outside and it was just you know snow just whipping by the door and i was like all right i'm not going to class today <laughs> it's not worth it it's not worth it i was so cold there uh, it was horrible it was cold in my opinion it may have been more cold in south bend than it was in alaska probably is at, at certain times i mean the wind it was so flat and uh you get the lake effect and everything it's brutal what was it two or three years ago when we all had that like crazy polar vortex when it was like negative almost a hundred? Oh yeah. Yeah. That even got us down here in Virginia. That was crazy. People would, I remember we were like outside of my apartment um, and they would throw water in there and it would freeze. <laughs> and then the other thing was, is that our, it was so cold. The electricity went out. And my my apartment didn't have heat, which was fine because I had like a hundred blankets. Yeah, man, it's it's rough up there. But speaking about ice and the cold, uh, you know, this uh, the Henderson Foundation. Uh, how are you excited for this? Yeah, I'm. I'm over the moon. I mean, I. Like I said, it's it's been tough the last year not really being able to get on the ice, um, not being able to see our friends and teammates. Um, yeah. So I yeah, I'm ready to go. Um, I mean, I guess the the silver lining is I'm probably more excited than than ever, and uh, you know, like my motivation is off the charts right now because I'm just so excited to get out there. So. You know, you're a difference maker out there, Charlie. And, and, you know, I've already complimented you on your skating. But, you know, when you were talking to Drew, so did you, how, how long was your break from hockey, like, before you got back out on the ice again? So it was uh, over 10 years of not playing competitive hockey. Um, you know, I, like I said, I played pretty pretty competitive hockey my whole life up till my senior year of high school and then decided to uh focus on academics um and you know when i went to notre dame and uh, then my vision started going downhill and then i really thought you know when i couldn't see the puck anymore um i thought i was i was done i didn't even think you know i could play in an adult league um because i just you know I couldn't see the puck. I didn't think it was safe. I'd be running into people. And uh, sure. and then blind hockey just came kind of out of, you know, I, I think like a lot of you guys have said, it just kind of came out of the blue one day. Um, I was getting a coffee at work in the break room. Coffee. And uh, a colleague was like, oh, yeah, so this weekend I, I checked out this blind hockey practice. It was really cool. You know, that's something you might be interested in checking out. And I was like, what in the world are you talking about? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it was, it was a little tough getting back out there just from, you know, not having really played for, for a decade and uh, I'm an attorney. So, you know, I spent most of those 10 years sitting at a desk 12 hours a day. Um, <laughs> so my fitness had really taken a hit um, and, uh, it took a long time to get the rust off, but how was your it, how was your heat? You know, I I think skating is kind of like riding a bike; like you don't really forget. Um, but the the muscles, like uh, my body, like my mind remembered how to skate, but all of the muscles had deteriorated. Um, yeah. So it was it was pretty rough at first getting back out there I, I would try to do things that i used to be able to do and i just it did it didn't work out at first because i you know uh had to rebuild all those muscles and, and get back That's in shape and everything so what you described right there is exactly how i felt like when i was first getting back out on the ice again after like my shoulder injuries because it's just like i completely was capable of doing those things before, but it's just like now I just, my body didn't have that like muscle flexibility or that uh, muscle endurance in, in order to do that, like more than once. Like shooting, 
oh my god, was shooting so hard to like I had to like relearn how to shoot almost. Yeah, it's bad whenever you're you know your your brain tells your body to do something and then your body just can't do it anymore. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's probably some embarrassing moments. I think in Tampa there were times where I just uh, was like flat on my face or on my back because I tried to do something and it, it didn't work out too well. Charlie, do you see me run over Doug? <laughs> I remember that. You're, yeah, you're, that was. I, I and I was like, oh man, like I am the worst hockey player in the world. I ran over my like because I actually started feeling it, and I'm like, oh man, I, I'm and I was crossing over, going ready to go behind the net, like out of my blind spot, completely took the net, and I was like, yeah, don't have it yet. <laughs> but it's funny because like I I totally feel you because it's like. The first time I was doing it, I just moved my feet, and that's all I did. And it comes back. Unfortunately, we got COVID, and that's the the big killer for for us at our age is that we have to redo it again. Well, I I mean I even see it in men's league because I, I'm playing on one of my friends' men's league teams, and uh, you know I see I see not only some of my friends but like even. Even my closest friend, who's a very, very talented hockey player, who didn't play for a full year because of COVID. And it showed. And it showed. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he knocked the rust off after, you know, a couple of games. And now he's he's playing really well again. But it's just like the first time it's just like like when he was I was talking to him about it, he's just like, not only was my body so sore, he's like, he's just like, like my lungs. He's just like I. They weren't. Uh, he felt like he was. There was a lack of oxygen out there. Yeah, that's how I felt in Tampa, because um, <laughs> that was right when I was getting back into it, and uh, going a whole weekend in Tampa was rough. Was it beautiful down there too? Oh yeah, I mean that that was a great. You know, not only the hockey, but. Uh, Went to Disney World after, so. Um, oh, with the kids. Yeah, yeah. We took my daughter and my wife came down, so you know. I played hockey again, which was incredible, and then uh, went to Disney World after. So that's something I'll never forget. And and so can you can you explain to everyone just like what it means to be able to have found hockey again? Because it, it it's truly like I know what it means for me, but I want to hear what it means to you because obviously hockey was a very big part of your life you know growing up playing in high school and whatnot and you're obviously a, uh you know you were very talented you know it's like i said like if your skating your, your skating ability like i can picture you being a very offensive defenseman like you were out on the power play like you were out on the penalty kill because you were quick like I see a like I like I I think I know what type of defenseman you were and it it was like so what does it mean to have hockey back? Um I mean I I don't want to be cliche but I it really has just changed my life um in a in a really positive way. Um you know, I whenever I started losing my vision, um it felt like just one thing after another was kind of being taken away from me you know first it was not being able to drive and then not -hmm. being able to ride my bike and um you know having a hard time seeing my kids when they're playing and uh you know so it just felt like one thing after another the things that i like doing i I, it either couldn't do anymore it was challenging and uh I got in a pretty negative mindset where, you know, I was just kind of giving up on things. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do that. And, um, and I also didn't really have any, um, blind friends or, or kind of support network, other people who are visually impaired to change that kind of negative mindset I had. So, you know, whenever I got hockey back and, and to be honest, I was pretty skeptical when I went out to my first practice. You know, I kind of thought like people would be just standing stationary on the ice, kind of pushing the puck around or something. And uh, and obviously, you know, I was blown away by how competitive it is and and the speed that it's played at. Um, and then the 
the group of people who play blind hockey are are all just really awesome, incredible people, as you guys know, um, both on and off the ice. I mean, they're people who are playing playing blind hockey are not letting their vision hold them back on the ice or off the ice. You know, in terms of their careers, uh, anything they do. So it just really changed my whole perspective um, on how I was approaching losing my vision and and not just giving up on things and not limiting myself. Um, and I mean, I got the game back that I just really love to play. And, um, I thought, you know, when I made the decision just to go after academics, um, go on senior year of high school, I thought that was going to be my last competitive game. And, uh, and that whole chapter of my life was closed. And now I feel like I got this second kind of golden opportunity to do something I love for hopefully a lot more years. And, uh, you know, I think when you when you lose something like that and then you get it back, it it makes you even more um, appreciative of kind of what the opportunity is. And uh, I know it, it certainly has. Uh, I'm more motivated now than I ever was in high school to uh, to be the best hockey player I can be. Man, it's so crazy. Uh, like that was the exact answer that I was hoping for because selfishly say saying that that's my answer and that's how i feel about you and drew and josh like now i have this community of people who are also visually impaired who are successful you know in their careers out, with their family life and all these things and it excites me for life i i was very upset you know in a very dark place before blind hockey thinking that you know hockey's done forever um, you know, I'm not going to be successful and it's all because of my eyes. And, and I was, you know, I was playing the victim very hard. And then I found blind hockey and I was very skeptical, in the be- skeptical in the beginning as well. And I'm like, there's no way that this isn't going to look like that episode of South Park where, you know, like you just said, it was station to station. It was kind of just no flow, no direction, no, you know. Just no understanding. I thought it wasn't going to be hockey. You know what I mean? Yeah, and- yeah. I mean, I thought there'd be sticks in a pocket, but you know, it wouldn't have much resemblance to the game that I knew. But um, no. yeah, I think that's what I think that's what's so beautiful about blind hockey is that uh, we we have a few modifications that make it work, but there really is only a few modifications, and it it's the game of hockey. You know. Like, oh. if anything, you know, it, it takes more skill. You got to complete one bad pass in the offensive zone. You know what I mean? And you got to put it in a smaller net with a bigger puck. <laughs> it takes more skill with less vision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it kind of adds – you You have to have all the basic hockey skills that you would have to be a good-sided hockey player, and then you have to add, you know, communication and – uh echolocation and and all these other things on top of that so you know it's it's unique and it's really challenging and fulfilling yeah it 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 truly is just incredible you know all that goes into it and you know especially like with the goaltenders and stuff like that and like do you have dougie come out to the skates yeah i mean that's uh, uh we got a great crew um you know, I think we're really blessed. Uh, we were, I think, one of the earlier programs to get started in the U.S. and uh, just got a really solid core of, of players that are out there each and every week, really dedicated. Uh, and one of those guys is Doug, who, um, you know, it, can't say enough about Doug. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, He's just a good guy and uh, a great goalie. And uh, it's it's really great to have, you know, Team USA caliber goalie at practice every week to shoot on and and play with and and uh, it certainly helps too um, that Kevin and I playing defense have all that extra practice time with Doug and uh, just helps the communication and the flow of things uh, oh, yeah. when we get out there with Team USA. Absolutely, and you know he's and and the latter the same exact thing for Doug. I mean he's facing USA caliber shots. You know, Kevin's got a, an incredible – Kevin's backhand is actually terrifying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite scary. Uh, 
<laughs> I guess uh, I'm gonna pass the puck over to Josh now. But I mean, I can I can talk with you all day, Charlie. Like, like one. Of, I guess the last thing I'll say is like, you know, after the first year, I was talking with Coach Nick over the summer, and he's just like, she's like, Chaz, I got this kid, I got this kid. You know, he's from us. He went to South Bend too. Oh, he's like, I think you'll like him. He's fast. He's fast. He's just like, he's a good guy. And I'm like, all right, I'm excited to meet him. And then it was you. And then it was just like, all right, this guy's legitimate. And it was just like, not, on, not only is Charlie a great teammate, and he's great in the locker room, he's great on the ice, uh, he's motivated. And, you know, I, I, I truly think you're a phenomenal ambassador for the game of blind hockey and everything that you and your wife do to spread awareness for the sport is incredible. Yeah, thanks, Ches. And I mean, I think this podcast too is is just a great um, way to get the word out to more people and and build up the community even more. So, thank you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I have a phenomenal job. I do a phenomenal job of doing that. Uh, I think the thing that I wanted to say, man, is like you know the whole the reason why i was so excited to do this when when drew and josh had asked me to be a part of it um is because i firmly believe that every single person that i've met met on team usa blind hockey or from any part of the country whether it be canada uh, or anybody I've met through blind hockey, like we all could have a, a legitimately a legitimate movie about us, um, about the development of us as a person. And I think we all have a very unique story. Uh, it, it's really cool that ours overlap with being in South Bend. Um, but your story is important because you're a hardworking person on and off of the ice, and you're a good family man. And, you know, people need to know that about Charlie Mitchell is that you're a high-quality person, and they need to know that about Doug Goist and, and, and you know, all these other people. And that that's why doing this podcast is, has been a joy to me, and I'm glad that, you know, we're kicking off the season two with Charlie Mitchell because you've got a great story. But now I'm going to pass the puck over to Josh after over stick handling probably. <laughs> uh, that's great you know what it's actually funny you say that because i am like the number one most guilty person of over stick handling and i can't see the puck so it's like the most redundant thing in the world but charlie i i gotta go for the defensive part because you're the first true defense and we're, we're talking to and I am, and for someone who i play i now play like regular hockey too and i find how do you switch modes? How? What's the mental change when you go to the have to make a pass first defense? Like, is it more of a challenge the pa- challenge the player, or is it more of a sit back? Is would you do than a reg- than playing regular hockey, or that you were used to? What was that change in mentality? Yeah, that's a really good question, um, and I think that's one. That's been one of the hardest things for to adapt to blind hockey um, because you know you you do have to change your whole. I mean, not your whole, but you you definitely have to modify how you think about playing defense, um, and uh, it might not make sense to be as aggressive and challenge a player when he's coming into the zone like you would in sighted hockey because he, you know, he can't go in and just rip a shot. Um, and uh, to be honest, that's something I still struggle with because those, you know, the, I spent so many years playing sighted hockey that um, a lot of that stuff is kind of deeply ingrained and just kind of comes without thinking when you're, you're in the heat of the moment out there on the ice. And, and I got to really make a mental effort to step back sometimes and say, you know, I can just let this guy go and, and take away his pass and he can't do anything. He can't hurt us. Um, so it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's another one of those interesting aspects of the game of blind hockey of, uh, you know, that there, there's a, a mental aspect to it too, that, uh, can be challenging at times. 
No, I'm definitely with you. And it's funny, and I'm going to say this on the podcast, because if they listen, maybe they won't do it. But please let the teenagers go in. Every single one of them, Timmy, Brady, Jeremy, all the boys on my team, they gain the zone and they go right into the corner. I'm like, guys, you do realize you made it the this literally the worst place you can go, right? Because they, they'll they'll take it and by by smart by people experienced play people playing defense, you got to make that pass. So I'm letting you get yourself dead in that coffin corner because you got nowhere to go once you're in there because I'm going to smother you in there. Um, but that's kind of the thing that that I have difficulty with too is that like. I want to step up and take somebody and all it takes is one pass and that and and the play's over whereas if I step back especially with a puck like this like I I don't I don't care how fast and how well you can pass it's a lot easier to stop this it's got to be a lot easier to stop this thing than a regular puck am I correct even the elite players yeah yeah and I mean I think the best example of that is Kevin Brown he just um you know, obviously he's a B one, so he he's got the short end of the stick on from a vision perspective. But he does a great job of using his body, um, getting in shooting lanes, getting in passing lanes, um, just positioning himself well to take up space. Um, and with the puck being that big, it's tough to get it through um, if if you get yourself in the proper position. See, that's got to bring me to the next point. I got to ask how you like how it's different playing with Kevin. Like, cause Drew and I have talked about, like, it would be awesome if we played with Dirk because we'd just be like, Dirk, and he'd just be a missile going after people. And we know because, like, we've had that hockey experience that we know where he goes. And, and it's kind of like that. How is it different playing with Kevin? And how is, like, how do you, like, are there things you have to watch out for to watch his back? And, Obviously, you get the positives because he blocks everything in sight. So there's that. That's always a win. So what what is different in playing with Kevin as a B one than typically playing with anybody else a B two or B three? Um, I mean, the biggest thing, and and this is something that Kevin has uh, beat into my head for the last two years uh, continuously is just the communication because I got to be his eyes. Um, I have a heck of a lot more vision than he does. Um, so when we're out there together, he's really relying on me very heavily to uh, keep him keep him informed about what's going on. Um, you know, if somebody's sneaking sneaking in behind him, um, you know, in the slot or something like that, uh, he may not see it. He may not hear him. So I, I got to do my best to be communicating constantly. Um, you know, while taking care of my own responsibilities, and then. Um, you know, he does a great job of plugging up the middle, blocking shots, blocking passing lanes, um, being physical in front of the net. And um, I have a little bit more free range than I would otherwise. You know, sometimes uh, if the puck squirts out in his corner, I'm going to – and I can get there first. I'm going to yell switch and and just jump on the puck and let him continue to plug up the middle. Um so, you know, there's a lot of things we do to adapt to our strengths and weaknesses. Um, and, uh, but I mean, the most important thing is just the, the communication. Um, so we both know what we're doing and, and kind of stay on the same page and don't end up running into each other. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's kind of what I figured is, is because, and because you would have a little more freedom because he'd stay closer than that. The fact that he's there and you have that, you can easily get to the corners, and especially with your speed, it makes it a lot easier. So that definitely makes a lot of sense. So, I do you go, do you play regular hockey now too? Now that you've started playing blind and are up there at that level, I don't play anything consistently. Like I'm not that. Um, you know, I I have played uh, just pickup and. Uh, with sighted guys sometimes, which is fine. Um, you know, I, I, there's almost 0% chance of me ever finding the puck in a, in a sighted hockey game, um, or catching a pass with a, with a regular hockey puck. Um, so I end up kind of usually just falling into like a defensive, uh, defenseman role when I'm playing sighted hockey and trying to, uh, just frustrate the, the other guys out there. Um, but it, oh, you know, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah, just, and I, I, yeah, I'll take, I'll, that's what I've told. I, I'll, I'll take on anybody. Like, unless you played like serious college or very, very good high school, I'll shut you down. I got no chance against you on offense, but I'll shut you down. I mean, kind of for the same way. And you said it, you have a different, different type of a visual issue, but still defense is based on center of gravity. Like if I, I, the positive is for the most part, if I'm looking at your hips, I'm not looking at the puck. So as much as you're dangling, I really can't see it. (laughs) And I really can't keep catch it with my eyes anyway. So I'm going to keep my stick on your stick and keep my body there. And because of my experience on defense, I, I know about where I am. And I think that's possibly what helps us a lot um, is that, uh, we used to, uh, my team, the New York team, finally got a full ice practice. We've been playing on a two-thirds rink the whole time. And I'm like a crash test dummy running into everything. And uh, and, and it's like, it's comical because like I'll run over the goalie. I'll run over the end board. And, and the volu- we have volunteers that play college hockey. And like, they get it. And I'm like, and I told, I told, the, co- I told the parents, like, you just wait. I'm like, wait till we get on full ice. And like, I, I know, like, based on the amount of hockey that we've played and just being able to see lines out of the corner of our eyes, we kind of understand a lot more on defense. And I think the idea, like, especially I feel that defense is a lot, be- a lot easier in offense, probably for the same reason you do, because it's very hard to track that. Um, and I think it also helps that we played very high level defense to begin with. So we're not really learning defense while learning blind hockey. Do you feel like that kind of helps? Yeah, I mean, it it definitely helps. Um, apart from what I mentioned earlier about, you know, just some of the strategic differences um, between blind hockey and sighted hockey, which I think actually having played so much sighted hockey, it at times can put you at a little bit of a disadvantage because you're not thinking like a blind hockey player. You're thinking like a sighted hockey player and you got to kind of retrain your brain. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, the, <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know, you're not going to... F- Fool me by dangling the puck because I can't even see it. So, you know, I'm just going <laughs> to, if I see anything, I'm going to see the center of your chest uh, when you're coming down at me and, and just focus on taking the body um, and not worry about the puck so much. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's, I, I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm going to send it back over to Drew. Um, thank you so much. I, I can't wait to see you and what? Two weeks, a little over two weeks. Yeah, it's not too um, long here. When we're gonna be up in uh, New Jersey, so. All right, man. Thank you so much, uh, Drew. Send it right back over to you, man. All right. So uh, we're we're gonna switch it up now. It's season two, new question. Uh, so my question for you, um, out of out of all the blind hockey that you've played, what is your favorite moment? It's I'd hard. say that, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's a toss up between um, getting at my going to my first blind festival in Tampa was incredible, um, and just seeing how big and and how welcoming and and how incredible the the whole blind hockey community is. Um, that's really kind of what launched me. Um, you know, fully into the, into the blind hockey world. So that was incredible. But I think the one that probably takes the cake is uh, lacing up against team Canada for the first time in Ottawa. Um, a, a couple years back now with COVID. Um, but uh, you know, like I said earlier, I, I never thought competitive hockey again. And here I am lining up wearing USA on my chest and uh facing off against team Canada. And, uh, it was, it was real full war hockey. I mean, I, I, no holds barred, you know, full speed, um, really, really talented players, um, really competitive, putting it all on the line. Um, that, that was the best feeling in the world to be out there and, uh, and playing at that level again. Nice. Yeah, those are those are both excellent, and and I, I agree. I think that's kind of a tie for both of them being first 
you know, which is better, the, the first time or the first time against Canada? Uh, so where can, do you have social media? Does the team, uh, obviously we know the national team has a, a website now, but what about uh, DC Blind Hockey? Where can we, where can the people find you guys? Yeah, so we're at uh, dcblindhockey.org. Uh, which has all the information on the program. Um, you know, it, anytime anyone in the blind hockey world's in D.C., you should hit us up and, uh, you know, either come to practice or if we don't have anything on the schedule, just go out and find some ice and skate. Um, and then, we're you know, we also got a Facebook page as well, so you can find us there too. Excellent. And do you do social media? Is there, is there anywhere they can find Charlie Mitchell? I'm on Facebook, but I, I have a very limited social media footprint. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I think it was Kevin Shanley that we were talking to. It was like I, I don't do any of that, and I, I still feel like that's one of the smartest things I've ever heard anyone say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, Charlie, thank you so much for your time and and coming on and sharing about your experience. Uh, you know, I really appreciated uh, hearing your kind of take on it as a defensive defenseman or whatever we want to call it at this point. But um, uh, I'm excited to meet you in New Jersey for the second time. Uh, and uh, thanks again. Yeah, looking forward to it. Thanks for having me, guys. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Dented Puck. We post new content every Thursday on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Instagram at The Dented Puck and on Facebook at The Dented Puck Podcast. Send us your questions and correspondence to the Dented Puck Podcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you in the next one.